Hey, this is Chris Caffrey, and I'm about to enter into the experience, and this is my song, Mayday.
and welcome into the Tortoise and Hare Experience. Very excited on this. I guess this is the the second show of the reboot that I've been that I've been talking about. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed that first show with just me and Max. But guess what? Now we have guests, and uh, Max, who do we have? You you line this up. Yeah, we have Chris Caffrey from TSO and um, many other bands and his solo projects as well. He's a very accomplished uh, musician and pinball wizard. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Chris. How, how, how's everything? It's great to be here. Everything's actually really good. Today was uh, it was 100 degrees in the sun today in New York in October, which is a little... Bizarre because it was it was pretty cold earlier than last Friday. I don't know if you guys saw New York City went underwater, which was pretty interesting. So we've been going through, uh, you know, it's like a trying different drink samples <laughs> in New York as far as the weather goes. Everything just it changes every five minutes. But I'm good. I, I have about three weeks, three and a half weeks till I leave for uh rehearsals for the next TSO tour. So it's always a busy time. You know, you, you, you scramble everything for the year. You get your house winterized, you rehearse songs, you just prepare to leave. So it, it, and then you try to enjoy as much of the fall in New York as you can. So I'm, I'm kind of swamped in with just trying to do my usual October routine before Trans-Siberian Orchestra heads out. Very cool. And, uh, as always, we always start the show off with the experience and uh, Max, uh, you go ahead first and tell us about your experience. <laughs> well, right now I'm in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm here to see Lady Gaga um, going to a special show, a jazz show for her at the MGM uh, Park. MGM Park, is that what it is? Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> From the, the mouse in the corner. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited about that. I'm here and um, I'm staying with a buddy of mine named Shelly, and he has a 133-pound Mastiff. And this Mastiff has decided that it is my best friend and wants to swallow my head whole. So that's what my experience has been like today. Very hence the skull that's in the corner. That would be <laughs> that is bony. <Yeah. laughs> Very cool. Uh, as far as my experience, maybe Chris, uh, you can help shed some light on this and and help me through this. So, uh, from my experience, what's been going on is I'm finally working with somebody again. Um, I've been <laughs> with Max. And it's so weird when you are just kind of like by yourself the entire time working on projects by yourself. You bring somebody else into the fold and your timeline, you know, kind of just gets all jumbled because you're used to working with just yourself and you have your own deadlines and things like that. Um and and so it, I'm not saying this is a bad experience. It's just something that I'm not used to for a very long time. And you kind of get uh, caught into kind of your own loop uh, when dealing with that. Have you ever gotten into something like that? Well, I actually work a ton on my own, which is, um, is good and bad because sometimes creatively you can um, – get into his own and be really good. And then other times you would want to work with people, but yeah, I'm kind of the way you are, but I, 
I really have no set schedule for myself while I'm home and I'm working. So if I did have somebody else that's working with me, it would probably be really difficult for me, not for me, but for them, because I'm all over the map. And if they tried to set me a time, I, I probably would be very, I don't even know what the word is, unreliable. I might you know, forget or have something that I forgot I had to do when I said it was okay to do what I was going to do with them. So I did work a lot. I was probably one of the few people that didn't really notice life being that different when COVID hit because I'm home so much on my own. And, and, you know, I have my studio and my, my bars and my barn and my, a large property. And, and I made myself my own beach and my own little golf course in my house. I didn't really, the only thing I was missing with COVID was other people, but I, I pretty much was used to being home and being alone. And, and for me, it was, it was kind of relaxing because it gave me a reason not to have to leave. And, and I think after being on the road for 35 years, I was kind of looking for that, you know, and then the whole world, one thing I, I probably should have done, but I'm usually not saying stupid, but I, I kind of, um, you know, I've, I've been on the Internet since it started, really. I actually had the first documented Internet tour diary. So when COVID hit and everybody was jumping onto the net, I considered it to be the perfect time to get away. But I didn't realize exactly how easy it would be in that period of time for people to pick up followers. So I know people that have YouTube channels that got like 70,000, 80,000, you know, followers now that, don't even that shouldn't even have more than 70 or 80 you know so i think that in that period of time when i disappeared it's like i probably could have you know cashed in like the world is by really exposing the fact that i was very internet savvy before and i was always on and around but when everything hit and everybody was doing their their TikToks and their cover band music and this and that and the other thing i was like just you go ahead and do it i'll come back when the world comes back I'll go back online. But the only negative to that, I think, was the fact, like I said, that um, it was a really super easy time to pick up followers because nobody was doing anything. And I think that was the only thing that I, I look back on my crap. I kind of screwed that up. It's like, it's like dumping a good rookie running back off a fantasy football team. I'm like, darn, I should have saw that coming, but I didn't. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. I really like uh, your place. Now, um, is this your basement or is this your studio? But, yeah, my studio is over that way. And this is kind of when I, I was living in Manhattan for about 15 years. And I was about to go on a tour. And my landlord's daughter owned my house. He bought it for her. And she was getting married. And she was looking for a place to live. And she couldn't find one. So, I was there for about five years with no lease and she knocked on the door one night and said she needed our place. And I was like, Oh, great. I had a European tour coming up. So I threw everything into my old family house. And then when the tour was over, I came home and just decided to stay here. So I was always coming up here to write. And I had one room down in the, in the basement here that, uh, I probably wrote a hundred songs in easily that were recorded and released and, you know, I'd write here, go to the city, go to other places and, and take them like the Dr. Butcher record and the Sabotage records and, and things I wrote for my first solo records. I, I would get a lot of basic ideas here and I always would walk out of the room 
into the rest of the base because the house is pretty long. It's a, it's a, an old ranch house, but it's very long and the basement is, you know, it's full ceiling and everything. So I was like, it would be real fun one day to, you know, put a bar or somewhere to sit and hang out. So I just built, when I did come back home here, I, I built a really nice bar in here and it's got 12 pinball machines and I have a gym room and there was a dark room that me and my friend remodeled into a bathroom and in the ceiling of that there was hidden in the sheetrock a bunch of old love letters from the guy that built the house and there was a bank envelope with three silver dollars three morgan silver dollars in it and i have those dollars and that's why i called the bar the silver dollar saloon because we found those coins in the ceiling so that that was built here and it's just it's a really cool place for me to work and the, the amazing thing about it, I don't know if you're familiar with with basement temperatures, but where I am down here pretty much stays between even when it gets freezing. I have one room that has no heat. That the door is shut to storage room that wouldn't even go any cooler than 50. But for the most part, this room here that gets the uh, the air from the rest of the house and from the heating ducts and it, it never. It, in the summertime, it never needs AC, right? Down here, when it gets 100 degrees, it probably doesn't go above 70. And then in the winter, it probably doesn't go any below, you know, nothing below 65. So it's got perfect temperature. I don't see light, so I never know what time of the day it is, which is kind of weird, you know. So I wake up and – but it's good. I mean, I get up at 4 in the morning from from half sleeping, and I'll work till 5 or 6 or 7 in the morning and go back to sleep. And the only – you know, my my – German Shepherd, he he'll get up with me. He's laying here now. It's funny, you guys will you'll hear when he's had enough of me not giving him attention because he'll start to talk. So that's when the interview will come to an end when he wakes up and says, "You're done." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that uh, helps out a lot during uh, your other interviews too, right? <laughs> you have your own yeah, bodyguard. Yeah, uh, it's, it's yeah. And plus, I have a tendency to talk a lot, so. <laughs> I'm one of those people where somebody can have 30 questions for an interview and I can answer 28 of them in my first answer. <laughs> it's just the way I am when I'm talking. I mean, you answered everything. And so, uh, it's time for us to go. All right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, you said that you're already gearing up, um, for your, you know, tour. And this is something that's always, I've always thought has been so interesting is, you know, during the holiday season, that's when people kind of, you know, all these groups get together and, you know, they just, that that's kind of like their big season. And is that weird for you that like, you just kind of have like a real quick touring season. And then after that, you kind of can do whatever you want. Well, that isn't exactly how it always was though. I mean, when TSO first started, we were still, touring with sabotage and it was you know i think we started in 99 and by 2002 that's when sabotage had stopped playing it, it um we were kind of slammed a little bit by 9 11 because we had had to cancel a tour after that and then you know after that the band kind of parted and went its its own ways and then i was doing solo records and touring and i was playing with doro pesh the the German heavy metal singer Doral from the band Warlock. I was playing with her and I did some touring with Ripper Owens and playing with other people. So me just at that point in time having the TSO tour for 
November and December, it was okay because I had so much else going on. And then when I, I believe it was 2010, when TSO first did touring in the spring, so we had had three or four years where I would go in, in through May with TSO, and we were actually starting at the beginning of November back then too, so I would be mid-October till the middle of May. So it was pretty long with TSO at that time, so I didn't mind. And now it, it's just, um, you know, it got a, a little bit different now when, when Paul O'Neill passed away, the, uh, the band is here now to keep his, you know, his memory and his music alive, but it's a, a tremendously huge operation. And, you know, Paul had a, a level that he always wanted to, to operate at and for us to really perform his legacy the way that would make him happy, we would have to make sure that every time we did shows, they would be at that level and to do the stuff that wasn't Christmas. It's a tremendously huge, not Christmas, but the winter tours. It's a, just a huge outtake to, to get it from the ground out. So right now we're just in the process of still getting over the fact that he's no longer there. You know, it's, it's a lot for us. I mean, he, he passed in, in 2017 and, and, um, you know, we, we made it through the first few years and then COVID smacked us all in the face. And that was the only year that I had actually been home for Christmas since, um, God, I think it was probably 2000 was the last time I was home on a Christmas and we started touring through the, the month there. So that was a kind of a welcome thing for me. We did a pay-per-view and that, that did really well. I, I packed my stuff and drove to Nashville and, and we did the filming and rehearsing. It was, you know, um, that, that was different, but you know, it's, it's not nearly as, as, um, as weird as people may think for, for me because I'm just, you know, I take care of my mom. I, I do a lot of work in my house. So, you know, getting that time and leaving then, it's just I'm on that kind of schedule. I do miss being home for Christmas, and I realized that when, you know, when the COVID thing did happen. But we get out on the road, and I get to travel and see people's families, and that's that's pretty cool because they come out to celebrate the holidays with us. And I always decorate my my hotel rooms, and, and I, I live through it that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd, I'd, I'd be on the road all year long if I could, but you know, that it's just as you get older, you get responsibilities and, and, um, you know, the people that I work in my other bands with have responsibilities as well. So you have to clash things together. So I, I'm, I'm all right with things where things are. I work with, um, I'm a partner in a hot sauce company. So I released some commercial hot sauces and I, I play guitar with a, a guy who won 18 Grammys in Polka. His name is Jimmy Stir and, I do a lot of festivals and shows with him throughout the course of the whole entire year. And I released my solo records and, and, um, I had a band with Frontiers that was called Spirits of Fire that I did a couple records with. The first one was with Ripper Rowans from Judas Priest. And the second one was with Fabio from the band Angra and, uh, singing. So I, I mean, I'm constantly busy. I have, uh, this little guy here, Wilbur the Metalfin, who I have a whole entire company called Metalfin. I do a lot of, work that that gets money to children's cancer charities and other things with that and I'm I'm really busy with that whole thing. So I I stay very very busy. I mean time flies by. For me, I mean in a perfect world there'd be you know a sabotage tour 9 months of the year like it was when I was 21, but you know that's like I said everybody's lives go different ways and and I I'd, I'd love to go see those fans 
again, and hopefully that's something that happens for for everybody. Because I know there's a whole generation of metal fans that never even had a chance to see Sabotage, and it was pretty refreshing to see just how much people welcomed Pantera back, you know, with the brothers not there, you know, celebrating that music. I mean, Sabotage lost one brother, but we still have the whole entire band that was, you know, living on the last tour is still there. So all six of us could go back out, and, and I think there would be a whole generation of metal fans that would be really happy about that. So I keep my fingers crossed on that all the time. But um, like I said, I just I stay constantly busy, which is a good thing. I do a lot of sea glass art, which is um fun. I, I um make items and, and sell them online, like this this guitar here is, is cut out of glass, and you know people will make orders. And there's actually a drum set over here somebody was – ordering for somebody as a as a Christmas present. So these are made from pieces of glass that I found. Actually, these two were found. This one here was found from little bottles that were underneath a bridge off of Long Island when I was heading back from something I did with my hot sauce thing. And I was looking for things to make drums, and I just happened to get off of the highway at this one spot where there was an overpass and a piece of beach, and there was like six or seven of these tiny little glass bottles that I was able to cut with my glass cutter, and I, for some reason, found them that day. It was like, you've been blessed with the drums. I'm like, all right. Blessed with glass. So... But did I miss anything? Uh, let me see. No. <laughs> it's a lot of leaves in the lawn that I need to take care of now. No, no, it's, it seems like you got everything, uh, pretty summed up. Uh, you mentioned, um, earlier, uh, about, uh, you doing a song with, uh, Ripper Owens. Am I, am I correct? Yeah, I got approached. And I'm not really the biggest fan of the side projects because, you know, I have so many things going on and, and, um, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I, I was always a fan of being in a band. It's why I left Sabotage for a little while when I was little because back then that's kind of what you did. You're in a band, but I was approached by Frontiers to do a record with Ripper Owens, who was a friend of mine and, and I had played on one of his solo records and did a tour with him for that and, I was really into doing something with Ripper since I had met him when he was singing in Judas Priest. And they said, well, they wanted to use Roy Z to produce the record. And I always loved Roy's work, the work he did with, with Halford and Bruce Dickinson. I just thought he was one of the great metal minds. So I thought that it was going to be a really positive thing for me to get involved in that. And they had Mark Sonder for drums and Steve DiGiorgio from, from Testament and death, who is one of the greatest bass players on the planet. I was like, all right, well, this will be fun. So I wrote some music and, and we did the first record and, uh, Ripper and frontiers kind of parted ways after the first one. And there was a second record done with, with Fabio, the singer from anger. And, and, uh, they're fun. They're just, you know, fun metal records. I, I did the Dr. Butcher record with John Oliva back in the early nineties. And, and I just missed having something that was pretty straightforward metal. I mean, my solo records are all over the map. There are songs like that on it, but you know, the spirits of fire is pretty much more in that traditional metal thing. Yeah, I love that stuff. Love yeah, me too. That's where my, my heart is, is in that. I mean, I, you know, get up on stage and play with 
all different kinds of bands, like I just said, with, you know, Trans-Siberian Orchestra and with a guy who's won 18 Grammys in polka music. And I played in all kinds of bands. But my favorite thing to do is to get up on stage and play for the metal fans. I just played um at the Wacken Festival this summer for Doro's 40th anniversary concert. And that is just fun to get up there. We've played with some of the guys with Phil and, and, uh, and Mickey from Motorhead doing a tribute to Lemmy and, and, uh, Joey from Anthrax played with Doro and we did some songs and you just get in front of that crowd. I think there was only sick only, I say only 60,000 people there because 20,000 of them could not go because the rain was so heavy that week that, uh, the, the festival grounds, the campgrounds flooded out. So they actually tried to shut it down at 40,000, but more people were sitting on the highway than they thought. But they had, you know, there been a tremendous amount of rain, amount of rain all over the planet this year, as you guys know. I mean, what did you get? 54 inches of rain in California this year and a couple of weeks, which is unheard of. It's like, so it, it's, uh, yeah, so I, I just, um, I like that kind of music and, and the heavy metal for me. That's, that's where I feel the, the most natural. Some of the other ones, you feel like you're acting, but you just, I think you feel like people are, are looking at you when you do that stuff. When I do the metal stuff, I really just feel like I'm, you know, hanging out with some friends. Uh, it's a different kind of feeling. Yeah. The metal community is a community that is like no other, you know, they just, they're so loyal. And, you know, just will follow you for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, metal is taking um, so many twists and turns lately. I kind of don't recognize it. Um, and it's spun off into like a gajillion genres. Like there's like thrash metal. There's I just saw folklore metal. Um, I, it's, it's so, uh, it's so interesting. Do, are, are you finding that interesting or, or do you wish that everything was just kind of, uh, just stuck into just traditional metal? I don't know. I mean, what is traditional metal really? I mean, it would be Black Sabbath. And then, you know, when Judas Priest and Maiden came around, we had it zeroed in as far as what metal was and then oh wait a second metallica and, and megadeth came in it's like okay well there's thrash and and then the death metal hit and then you know the uh the music hit the point to where it's funny because i i had somebody said the other day they heard the heavy they wrote or released the heaviest song they ever heard or something like that. I was going to write a song. It's just called the heaviest song ever. Just so that I could write, say that I wrote the heaviest song ever, but I do it by the title because <laughs> like, what is the heaviest song? It, it's kind of funny because when we were touring Europe for the first time, some of the more death metal and, you know, to the goth side and to the, to the real, as John Oliva would call it, cookie monster voice music of the metal. It was kind of new, so you were watching some of it, and we'd be playing these festivals, and, um, you know, you would see some of these bands come out, and you would watch, you know, the things like Cradle of Filth that would hit, and, you know, Children of Bodom, and they were, they were just different, you know, and, you know, Alexi was one of the best heavy metal guitar players there ever lived, but he just went up there and used that really distinct heavy metal raspy voice that 
made the music, you know, have an additional distortion box, as I, I would call it. So I kind of like the way the uh, the voices, when they blend that, and then they'll break into the melodic stuff. A lot of the bands that have the female vocalists, that'll do that. You know, Arch Enemy and, and Ginger, they're two bands that I really like a lot. I mean, they those girls go into those crazy heavy metal voices, but both of them have really amazing singing voices, you know, and I'm a huge fan of, I mean, I don't know, some people would even call it metal, but I'm a really big fan of, of, of Lizzie Hale and, and Hailstorm, and I just think that she's about as metal as you can get, and, you know, she just goes up there, and, and that, that band will stand there toe-to-toe with any metal band I've ever played with. She's badass, you know. She, and she did some stuff with, with TSO and, and did a song with us on stage and she's just, you know, one of the coolest people on the planet. So it's, um, it's cool. I, I listen to everything, you know, as, as long as somebody has an identity and they like what they do and believe in what they do and they're not really trying to be something else, I, I tend to like it. You know, when people copy other people or pose, you know, it's kind of when, when things kind of bother me. And I I notice that right away. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't even recognize when people are posing. But I, I do because I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a natural at what I do. I don't I don't pretend to be anything other than me. So I'm usually pretty good at picking out when somebody's trying to be something they aren't. Right. Yeah. yeah. Are you a gearhead? I used to be. I'm too deaf now to really care. And not that I don't care. It's like if I put the time into trying to hear the way things sound, you know, I'm kind of a, I don't want to say an old fart that way, but I, you know, I have sounds that I like. And I always like certain effects and I like my digital recording studios. I think those are fun. I could do a lot of things I what I want, but I think a lot of times I get more of the effects that I want out of harmonies on the guitars and vocals than I do with um the actual gear. I'll I'll make the sounds myself. I like the different stuff, but I think sometimes the digital world is getting a little bit too involved it's it's weird like when some of these digital processors came out for guitars they were kind of simple to get to and get into and now they're more difficult to use than half your computers you know when you got to assemble 18 different banks and everybody's got these pre-saved things and i listen to them and i'm just like well little by little it's sounding less and less like an amp you know, when I just want something that sounds like an amp and the, the digital world was fun for me because there were some things that I found were able to do that without having to mic it, the thing. And that's where, like I said, my hearing challenge is better when I have the digital stuff because I know that if something sounds good, one day if my ears don't hear great, it's still that sound. If I'm moving a microphone around, I might hear something different every day if I'm building that sound out. So it gives a constant to me. And I think that the more I change the gear, the more that I lose the ability to have a confidence in, in the, the constant. Cause I, I, like I said, there's some days I hear fine. There's some days where the tinnitus is really bad. And depending on what I've done to my ears, whether it's live or I like headphones, which is bad. You know, so Do you but I have lots of guitars and I have lots of amps and I have lots of things, but I always tend to go back to the same couple. Yeah. 
Do you find that with your hearing loss that your other senses have taken over or sensitive? Until COVID. Yeah. When my smell went away, I, used to, I was like, now that my hearing is gone, I smell everything. Then all of a sudden when your smell disappeared, I was like, wait a second, I can't smell anything. I didn't lose the taste. My taste didn't go away. Maybe there was a little bit of a metallic the taste of my mouth when I had nothing there that I didn't, but I literally, especially the last time I just got COVID over the summer again. And, um, when I got home from Europe, I had had it and I don't, not sure exactly where I got it, but I completely lost the ability to smell, which is just insane. You know, it's like that, you know, you get an air freshener or a candle or, or you're cooking and you just can't smell anything. It's like, whoa. It's, but, uh, I think when I was that way, yeah, I think there was certain senses that are better, but you know, as I'm getting older too. So when it gets dark, I can't read. <laughs> it's like, and that's, I'm nearsighted. So I have contacts. And if I took the contacts out, I'd be fine. But, I just balance everything. I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's funny because half the time I, I could be walking down the street with some friends and it's been like this my whole life. You always, if you're, you know, a pretty boy, long haired guy, you always walk past somebody that's going to have a comment. There's always going to be somebody that's going to give, you know, whether it was through the generational, the Rod Stewart, hey, Motley Crue, hey, this and that, hey, Bon Jovi. But, you know, sometimes it's just some guy that wants to, you know, call you a pussy or something like that. And I think the good thing about being deaf is I'll walk past people and somebody be like, did you hear what you said? I'm like, no. <laughs> so it's like, it probably keeps me out of a lot of fights, which is a good thing. Yeah. Well, deaf now means like cool. Like how was that? That was deaf. So, you know, it, it means cool too. So yeah, um. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I mean, I, I just have the tinnitus and I, I've lost some frequencies and some things were if I'm in a room and there's a ticking clock, one side of my head can't hear it ticking and uh, the other one can. And the, this, the thing that stinks about it is, you know, we have to use the in-air technology for Trans-Siberian Orchestra because the stage is so big and I travel the arena and I'll be up out in front of the PA system halfway out and that whole speed of light and sound is extremely real if if you've never experienced it you cannot play a guitar in time with the pa system because you're hearing the, the band after they've played so you're not going to be there. so you have to have the in-ears and my thing with the damage to my ears is the in-ears too low are muffled and I really can't hear what's going on. So they sound great when, you know, I'm up 80% on the volume of the in-ears. And when you do five hours a day, we do matinees and I get out of that tour. It's like I've blasted my ears from that. I, I used to shoot guns when I was a little kid. My dad would take me target shooting and skeet shooting. And, and I never, he never had me wear the earphones, the, the, the ear. And that's the most important time because your, your, your eardrums are developing. So I think I bursted the, the ring out then. And then I just liked loud music too much. And, um, it's all right. When I go to one of your shows, I'm, you know, I'm legally blind. So the flashing and the fire 
is so much for me that I have to keep my eyes closed for like 80% of the show, you know. So I'm just there to I, listen because I, I can't really see. There's a lot of people who you'll be and see them in the front row and are going like, they're, they're pretty bright. The LEDs are extremely bright. And when they're flashing at once and the strobe effects, it, it, uh, it definitely can be a lot. I mean, um, I get it. The funniest thing was when we, we first played on the very first tour, we were playing theaters and the theaters don't have any security distance. <laughs> Everybody, you know, the rich people, the uh cool crowds a lot of times wanted the front row. And then you had, you know, they would bring like their grandparents or something. <laughs> and we were using dry ice. And it was just funny to watch the dry ice roll off the stage into their face. <laughs> I had no idea what they're and then the lights would come on and like, ah <laughs> like there we go. But you know, people have learned to uh if if they want to, they they'll wear sunglasses or they'll sit at different angles where it won't blast them that, that bad. It doesn't bother everybody. Like you said, you you have the visual problems of where the brightness affects you and, and um you know, for me that usually only comes when I get a lot of camera flash in my eyes. That's why when people want to take pictures, I always try to ask them not to uh use the flash because I think that that always leaves a stain in my eyes and it's, it's sometimes, you know, it's like it's it's hard to see after you get blasted with you know, people do ten in a row when they got the flash on. It's just one of these things where I don't wanna you know, I don't want to trip or something like that. Or, or back to doing your meet and greets because I know that you had stopped doing that for a while. Yeah, as of now, we we still have not started doing them again. When when COVID came, we we definitely weren't doing it. I mean, the whole thing is with that. I mean, it's such a huge production, and I know everybody wants to say hi, and we want to say hi to the fans, but. If you get one person sick and they go on that tour bus and you have the male singers on our bus, the female singers on the bus, the band on the bus, you can lose a whole piece of your tour by, you know, one little mistake. And I, I think that, um, it's just not worth having the next week be someone, you know, you'll have thousands of people that won't get to see one of the performers or five of the performers, you know, and you you want to take a couple hundred people that want to say hello to you after a show. You can't prioritize that right now. You can't as much as we'd like to. It's right now the keeping the show and the machine rolling and keeping everybody healthy is a little bit more. It's a little bit more important. You know, there's so many things out there, too, at the moment. And we went into COVID and we just stopped socializing and being around people. So we kind of lowered our guard with our own immune system. So it's one of these things where, you know, the normal flu and that um respiratory thing are out there, which I had actually gotten earlier this year. And that thing, you know, that beat the, the frick out of me. And actually, the second time I had COVID was this year was... For six weeks after I, I was getting really difficult times breathing at least once or twice a day. So you don't want to do that to a singer. 
you know, it didn't, it didn't make me sick to the point where, you know, I had to be hospitalized or anything like that, but it definitely got me to the point where if I was trying to sing, you know, a, a full set of music, my lungs were going to be a problem with that. So I think it's just safer right now. You know, I, I play sick, but I don't sing. And I think that's a big thing too. It's like I used to sing backups with that, but I'm not a lead singer on this. I mean, I've done shows with spine flu. I had 104.3 fever and did two shows in one day with that. And, you know, I don't not play. So I don't think that, uh, unless I was, you know, on a deathbed with, I've, I've yanked the IV out of my arm when I had food poisoning to go do, do a festival and left the hospital when they were refusing to let me leave. So it's like, I don't, I don't not play, but you know, if you're a singer, it's, it's going to be literally impossible. Right. I, I know that when you guys did do the meet and greets that you had a line that was absolutely ridiculous, you know, so it was keeping you there for hours and hours after a show when you have to get on the bus and get to the next place. And, you know, that's a lot. It's a lot. It is a yeah, lot. It's, it's one of these things where as the week goes on, it gets a little bit, because we usually do Wednesday, Thursday, then we'll do two Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday. So when you get into the late Saturday night, late Sunday nights, and a lot of those lines, sometimes we were there until one in the morning and we were allowing anybody in the arena who wanted to stay to stay. And, the main thing we had to do was we had to cut out any conversation in the line and then we limited people to, to having one item with them for us to sign. Cause there was people that would show up with a stack of, you know, you got 20 people in the band. It's like, Oh, I've got so-and-so CD that he did. And they got like, hold on, hold on. And they got like 15 different CDs from everybody on the tour and, you know, one person in the line has to go through 20 people in the, in the band and the singers and you just add up that extra time. And if you have 400 people in a line, it goes for hours. So we, we, we tried to cut that down and then we made it to where if people want photos. They can wait till afterwards. And I just try to do like a group photo with everybody. So I don't miss anyone because if you get over there and you're getting the photo with somebody and photo with somebody else. And then if you miss a photo with somebody, then all of a sudden you become the asshole. <laughs> it's like, I wasn't an asshole. It's like, maybe sometimes I had to use the bathroom. You know, it's like people don't, you know, we are, we are human. We want to, you, you miss people too. So I, I try to just, especially if it happens again, I'm going to make sure that I just say there's going to be one photo with everybody. If you want a picture of me, everybody get in it and everybody can take their cameras and get it. And then this way, you know, you don't have to have who's fighting over who's going to have you in the profile picture or not. And exactly. You might have missed. And cause it, it, it gets to be the, to the point where when you see people years and years in and years out, they become friends, you know, and more so than just the shows. And you don't want to ever be, I don't call it the Malmsteen factor, but you don't ever want to be that guy that gets known for not being nice to people either, because it's like, you know, we wouldn't be there without them. So you try to balance the whole world and, and make it work. But, well, you know, Thank you for uh, helping us balance the show and making it work and giving us some insight into your shows and, of course, uh, line etiquette uh, when seeing uh, people really enjoyed having you on. 
And um, is there a website where people can uh, find you or, or how is the best way for people to contact you? All right. Right now, Facebook music is Chris Caffrey uh, music on Facebook. And then I have Chris Caffrey official on Instagram. My website, which is chriscaffrey.com, the only thing that's really working at the moment is the store. And the story is actually kind of a pretty sad one. It was about 20 years ago when I was approached, um, I believe it was online, on my website by a guy whose name was Mark Kanzler. And he was doing some website designing, and he was a big Sabotage fan. And he wanted to work on my sites. And he was going at the time, he just legally changed his name to Rockstar. And his brother, Chris, legally changed his name to Superstar. They moved from Chicago out into to, uh, to California. Market, uh, you know, he was uh, doing his time on, on at Malibu with people... You know, playing the rich person scene and, and just being a playboy, I guess. But he was very talented at what he did in the uh, the website world. And him and his brother were kind of doing this thing that was called, you know, Rockstar Superstar. And they were doing a project that was supposed to be about getting past addictions. And they had a record that they released called Serenity. And I played some music on it. And... I'd written a song and, and it was done at Bob Kulik's studio out in, in, uh, in California. I came out there and I did some stuff with them. And in 2017, the same year that my producer and my bass player had passed away a year after my guitar tech had died and my father had passed. It was just, there was a period of time where I think I, I lost 24, 25 close family members and friends in two years. But, um, Mark had actually wound up, he, he, I believe it was an overdose. He was found in his vehicle and his, my sight kind of slowed down a lot. And his brother knew things about the internet. He wasn't as quick as Mark was with that. He was more of a, a guy that liked to, to bodybuild and, and, but they were, you know, they were twin brothers. So, he was destroyed by the loss of his brother. And those guys were both very close to me. So I tried to give Chris superstar the chance to work on my site and he was really lazy with it, but I, I still gave him a chance and things would get shut down here and there and they were never really maintained correctly. So I did move a lot of things as far as the day to day for people to see the Facebook and Instagrams. But, um, Unfortunately, a month ago, a little, a little over a month ago, Chris had lost his battle with substance too. So, you know, he, uh, he, he didn't, he didn't stay sober and he couldn't get over the, uh, the loss of his brother, you know, and I, I was really hoping that I could help him by giving him something to attach onto that was what his brother was doing, but he just, he was not able you know, he, he he wasn't able to to beat it, and it's it's really an incredibly sad story. Those two were so they were good people, and um, you know, to have them both lose their battles to what they were trying to help other people fight, it uh, it makes you realize just how serious 
that is. They were both really healthy. They were good looking guys and they had a lot of things going on, but that they were just being beaten by, uh, by the demons. And, you know, it's, it's sad. I've lost a lot of people that way yeah. in my, in my life. So right now my website is, um, in the process of being rebuilt. You know, I, I decided I, I, uh, just going to scrap it and start over. So I, I'm, uh, actually, I think it's, Either this upcoming Tuesday or Tuesday after that, I have a phone call with the designer and, and everything's getting redone and, and I'm just, you know, scrapping away. I'll have a little bit of a tribute to them on it somewhere, but you know, I, I need to, to throw it and get it over. And the main thing for that, the reason for that is it's like you never know where any of these sites are going to be. If, if, you know, Facebook or Instagram are the same company right now, they seem the healthiest, but you never know when, when things might disappear or, or shut. So as long as I, I, I need to keep my website, which is chriscaffrey.com, I need to keep that going and, and active. And I also do, uh, I got involved with, it's, it's called Meat Hook. It's a, a musician site where people can book your time. And I started doing lessons and video lessons through that. It's kind of fun. I, you schedule the time and then people pick it up. So I'll route everything through my, my website. I mean, I have a link tree right now that, uh, everybody can get to a lot of different things. I kind of, you know, looped in TSO and, and, uh, Spirits of Fire and all my merchandise and my hot sauce company and, and my YouTube channel and everything that, uh, is there through the link tree. I mean, that, that works really well. But when chriscaffrey.com is back, that'll, you know, that'll just become like a giant link tree with, and, and I, I actually told the designers that I want to have the opportunity to, for them to make it really easy for me to, to do things on a daily basis there if I want to, to where like the same way you go and, and post something on, on a uh, Facebook and Instagram, I, I want to have it to where I have little spaces that people only see on my, my website. You know, I'm not going to do the only fans thing, but it's just like, I'd, I'd rather have a, a world that's kind of like where I started with it because when I first started chriscaffrey.com, there was no real, no, really no interaction between bands and people on the net. And I had one of the first fan forums where people were talking. And at that point in time, it, it there was 45,000 people that were interacting daily on my message boards. You know, these people had no Facebook and Instagram to go to, to talk. So I had different chat areas. There was one for my music. There was one for, some other things and then other, there was another space for people to discuss. So people just came there and talked to each other. There'd be conversations going on between hundreds of people about some subject that had nothing to do with me that I'd never read. I just gave them a place to go. So I think that, uh, eventually I might get back into that world, but every, everything's gotten so crazy out there and I've dealt with, I've actually dealt with fake people, which is, the thing that really kind of drove me into wanting to be away from the net was that part of it. It's like, if you can't, you know, if you need to fake yourself online, it's, it was just one of these things where I was like, all right, I don't know if I really want to handle that. And, and I'm kind of a sucker. I, I believe people and I, you know, I fell for things like that again, you know, and, and just because people get kind of good at it, you know, the, the skill that, 
And then you have the fake me. There's there's a lot of fake me's out there. I don't even sometimes I don't even want to be me, so I don't even know why anybody would want it's like you can fake somebody else probably. It's a lot more interesting, but you know, it's like Well, Chris, it was great having you on. Um and um thank you for uh, just being on and uh thanks Max for uh, introducing us to Chris. Very cool. Uh we're gonna leave with one more song and what song is it gonna be? Well, I think um, we went Mayday, and then we uh, did we play the Spirits of Fire song. Is that no, one? not yet? Okay, so this is a song, Lightspeed Marching, which uh, has Ripper Owens singing. I wrote the uh, lyrics and music for this, and it was the first um, video on the very first Spirits of Fire record. And it's a it's a cool song. It's it's got that uh, old school metal feel on it and uh, there is a video for that on on youtube as well it's a it's a cool it's a cool song light speed march and i think it's a good thing to leave with okay and uh we are going to leave you and for more information on our guest make sure to log on to enter the we'll have the show notes and uh, anything that we missed uh we will uh put right there so uh from everyone here at torch in the hair experience we are all right thank you guys 